Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is July 15th. On this day in 1903, the newly formed Ford Motor Company took its first order from Chicago dentist Ernst Fenning, an $850 two-cylinder Model A automobile with a tonneau or back seat. The car produced at Ford's plant on Mack Street, now Mack Avenue, in Detroit, was delivered to Dr. Fenning just over a week later. Henry Ford had built his first gasoline-powered vehicle, which he called the Quadricycle, in a workshop behind his home in 1896, while working as the chief engineer for the main plant at the Edison Illuminating Company in Detroit. After making two unsuccessful attempts to start a company to manufacture automobiles before 1903, Ford gathered a group of 12 stockholders, including himself, to sign the papers necessary to form Ford Motor Company in mid-June of 1903. As Douglas Brinkley writes in Wheels for the World, his history of Ford, one of the new company's investors, Albert Stretlow, owned a wooden factory behind building on Mack Avenue that he rented to Ford Motor in an assembly room measuring 250 by 50 feet the first, first Ford Model A went into production that summer. Designed primarily by Ford's assistant, C. Harold Wills, the Model A could accommodate two people side by side on a bench and it had no top, it was painted red. The car's biggest selling point was its engine, which had two cylinders and eight horsepower. It was the most powerful to be found in any passenger car. It had relatively simple controls, including two forward gears that the driver operated with a foot pedal and could reach speeds of up to 30 miles per hour, comparable to a car's biggest competition at the time, the Curve Dash Oldsmobile. Dr. Fenning's order turned out to be the first of many from around the country, launching Ford on his way to profitability. Within two months, the company had sold 215 Fords, and by the end of its first year, the Mack Avenue plant had turned out some 1,000 cars. Though the company grew quickly in the next several years, it was the launch of the Model T in 1908 that catapulted Ford to the top of the automobile industry. The Lizzie's tremendous popularity kept Ford far ahead of the pack until dwindling sales led to the end of its production in 1927. That same year, Ford released the second Model A amid great fanfare. It enjoyed similar success though the onset of the Great Depression kept its sales from equaling those of the Model T. And in 1954, the Boeing 367-80 made its first flight from Renton Field, southeast of Seattle. The jet-powered airliner would become Boeing 707 and usher in the jet age for passenger travel. Boeing was not the first company to produce a jet-powered airliner, but just as Ford's Model T popularized automobile despite being a latecomer to the car world, the Boeing 707 would be the airplane to popularize jet travel. Nearly five years before the prototype of the 707 first flew, the British-made de Havilland Comet completed its first flight. The jet was popular thanks to its high speed, but a string of accidents involving the Comet in 1954 forced the company to take airliners out of service to fix some design flaws. By that time, Boeing had already nearly two years into the development of its own jet airliner. The company first flew its first large jet-powered aircraft, the B-47 Bomber, 1947. With the success of a speedy bomber, the company started looking into building a passenger aircraft that could take advantage of the quickly evolving jet engine technology. 
Boeing engineers started work in 1952 on an airplane that would be jointly developed as both a mid-air refueler for the Air Force and a passenger-carrying jet for the airlines. The Air Force was the first customer for the airplane. With the accidents of the de Havilland Comet still fresh in people's minds, commercial airlines continued to rely on piston-powered propeller aircraft such as the Douglas DC-6 and Lockheed Constellation to carry passengers in safe, well-known designs. The new model, 367-80, was simply known as the Dash 80, and development continued despite the cool reception from the airlines. These days, hundreds of orders were on the books for Boeing's new 787 before the airplane ever flew. But back in the early 50s, Boeing had to continue developing the passenger version of the Dash 80 on its own. The company was confident that an airplane flying twice as fast as the propeller airliners at the time would eventually bring in the business to make the investment worthwhile. A year into the flight testing, Boeing invited representatives from the airline industry and aviation community to Seattle to attend the annual hydroplane races on Lake Washington during the summer of 1955. The Dash 80 was scheduled to make a simple flyby to impress the crowds. But a simple flyby apparently wasn't enough for Boeing test pilot Alvin Tex Johnson. As he approached the lakeshore crowd at low altitude, J- Johnson gently pulled up on the controls and performed a grateful roll, graceful roll in the airplane. The crowd was in awe. The four-engine airliner completed the maneuver, something usually only seen in air shows performed by acrobatic pilots. Boeing President Bill Allen reprimanded Johnson, but the pilot pointed out that the roll was a simple 1G maneuver and the airplane was never pushed beyond its limits. The pilot continued to work for Boeing for many years after that. The famous role of the Dash 80 apparently helped the marketing effort of the new airplane. Pan American World Airways and American Airlines both placed orders for a new 707 by the end of 1955. But Boeing had competition from its old rival, Douglas Aircraft, which had introduced a similar-looking jet airliner, the DC-8. Both Pan Am and United Airlines placed orders for the DC-8. The two manufacturers were locked in a battle to deliver new jets. In October 1958, Pan Am made its inaugural jet flight from New York to Paris in a Boeing 707. The swept-wing airliner captured the imagination of the flying public. It would be nearly a year before the DC-8 would enter service. Boeing won the race to enter the service first, and along with Pan Am became synonymous with the jet age. The original Dash 80 never flew with paying passengers. Instead, the airplane continued to serve as a test aircraft into the 1960s until it was acquired by the Smithsonian Institution. The prototype aircraft cannot be seen on display at the Stephen F. Udzarhazy Center at Dulles Airport near Washington, D.C. The Boeing 707 would go on to serve almost all the major airlines in the world, as well as serving numerous roles in the military, including the first purpose-built Air Force One for presidential use. By 1991, when production finally stopped, Boeing had turned out 1,010 of the 707s. The Boeing 707 continues to fly active duty as the KC-135 tanker and the E-3AWACS in the U.S. Air Force, as well as other air forces around the world. It also serves some smaller cargo airlines around the world and is still flying passengers in Iran. Actor and pilot John Travolta owns a former Qantas Airlines 707 and flies it from his home in Florida. And finally, in 2006, social media giant Twitter was launched on this day. The microblogging website was launched to the public. Since then, it has emerged as one of the biggest social media platforms with millions of active users. These days, the company is under controversy after Tesla CEO Elon Musk said that he was abandoning his $44 billion takeover deal of the company. Twitter's share price plunged $36.81 after news broke in a sharp decline from Musk's $54.20 bid. 
As the company plans to take the world's richest man to court over the abandoned deal, here's a look at the company's history and how it has evolved since its launch in 2006. The idea for Twitter came for the podcasting venture Odeo, which had been formed by Biz Stone, Evan Williams, and Noah Glass. After Apple announced in 2005 that it was adding podcasts to its iTunes applications, the management at Odeo realized that they needed to give their company a new direction to compete with Apple. At that point in time, Jack Dorsey was working at the company as an engineer. He came up with the idea of short message service, SMS, where users could share small blog-like updates with their friends. After the go-ahead, Dorsey began working on the project named Twitter, T-W-T-T-R. On March 21, 2006, he sent his first tweet ever, just setting up my Twitter. And then on the 15th of July, the same year, the completed product, Twitter, was launched. In October 2006, Dorsey, Williams, and Stone bought out Odeo and started Obvious Core to further develop the platform. In 2007, Twitter Incorporated was created as a corporate entity, and Dorsey became its first CEO. The microblogging platform soon emerged as a great way to communicate with others, share information, and more. The number of Twitter followers also became a barometer of one's popularity. To entice more users to the platform, Twitter has undergone some major changes since its launch. Here are just some of them. In 2007, they introduced hashtags. In 2009, they introduced verified accounts. In 2009, they introduced retweeting. In 2010, the use of promoted tweets for advertising. 2014, launched anti-abuse tools. 2017, they increased the character limit to 280. And in 2020, they added modern features like direct messages, stories, spaces, and more. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Ford Motor Company's first order at BowieNewsOnline.com the Boeing 707 maiden flight at Wired.com and Twitter launched at FirstPost.com. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.